You are listening to a special Ukraine Watch edition of European Values podcast. This episode was created within the frame of the Information Defense Hub with the support of the European Cultural Foundation. Hello, everybody. Uh, it is my great pleasure to welcome you at another uh, podcast done by the European Values Center and the Information Defense Hub project. My name is David Studelik. I'm a senior analyst uh, in our think tank. And today we have a special guest, uh, Maria Makarevich uh, from Ukraine, who is also our expert in Information Defense Hub. Maria is originally from Bakhmut city and now she's based in Kiev and you might have heard that Bakhmut is now unfortunately at the front line of the uh, fighting between the aggressor's army of the Russian Federation and Ukrainian defenders. So when we were planning this uh, new podcast we agreed with Maria that we will try to inform our audience, uh, the international audience, about the situation in eastern Ukraine on the territories that are controlled by still by Ukrainian army and we hope they will be defended by Ukrainian army because Maria has a lot of friends, relatives and colleagues who are still there. So Maria, if you were to describe very shortly what the situation looks like now in these cities in Ukraine in Donbass that are close to front line, how would you describe it? Okay, now Bakhmut is one of the most challenging section of the front in Ukraine. And the number of attacks from different types of weapons per day reach more than one hundred uh, times. Uh, the day before yesterday was 150 times from different mortals, air bombs, jet systems, tanks. Living there obviously is uh, very difficult and uh, everyone uh, I know have already left. Even uh, those who didn't want to leave their homes and stay till the and um, plan to stay till the victory uh, they decided to move abroad or in other parts of Ukraine because uh, uh, the situation is much more difficult than people can um, um, live through it. So those who didn't want to live in uh, schools, gyms or other communal institutions where people uh, live now, um, live now uh they um, they ready now to live anywhere just not uh, under the shelling um, so mm -hmm. it's um, it's really a very hard situation there so the most shops are closed you can't buy almost anything the people often ask for humanitarian assistance but uh, the problem is um, um to the closer to the front line, the less often you can uh, meet uh, volunteers there. Uh, because volunteers, this is just civilians without special uh, requirement or protective gear. Uh, so some organization limit or stop their work uh, if the settlement is under constant uh, shelling. I know about situation when um, Russia's, Russians captured volunteers and their fate is currently unknown. 
uh, situation when the volunteers are dead because of shelling. So for safety, people stop working uh, if it uh, directly uh, threatens their life. Uh, for example, this happened with uh, the charity mission Proliska uh, from Chasiv Yar. It's near Bakhmut, 15 kilometers. Mm -hmm. uh, volunteers have been helping the people of uh, Donetsk region since 2014, but they can no longer continue this work because each departure could be the last. So they stopped. Uh, their work in Donetsk region, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And with regard to this evacuation, uh, is it being organized by the Ukrainian authorities? Because there was this kind of obligatory uh, evacuation mentioned by president, right? How does it look in the practice? Do you have any information from your friends or colleagues or relatives who have been evacuated recently? How did that process look like? Um, you can choose any way to move this region uh, from temporary moving. Um, this is uh, evacuation uh, by volunteer groups, uh, by uh, local government, uh, 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 evacuation that uh, local governments organized uh, for people of different communities, especially for com people from communities near the front line. And uh, also uh, evacuation on the bus um, uh, for payment. So it's different type. You can choose um, any uh, uh, any way to move from this region, but uh, um, this depends from the security situation too. Uh, right now in Bakhmut, uh, there are a lot of uh, different uh, buses, taxis, uh, volunteers group who helped uh, people uh, go away. But uh, I don't know if this will continue because each day you become more dangerous for volunteers, for this people who try to... Uh, yeah, is the Ukrainian army helping with uh, such evacuations? Because we know that uh, ill-famous report of the Amnesty International, right? So how does it look like now in Bakhmut? Is the army also instrumental in that regard, helping people to get out from, from the war? Uh, Ukrainian army always help, and uh, I can tell that Ukrainian army also help with food, with evacuation, with uh, uh, mats, and so on. So people uh, can ask them, ask units of Ukrainian army or territorial defense, if they need mm -hmm. something, if they need to help, and they always uh, try to do all uh, what they can. The soldiers try to do all what they can to help people. So um, th this is this was this situation was since 2014. Ukrainian ar mm -hmm. army always helps civilians to save their lives and to live through this war. And again, let's stress it uh, that it is the Ukrainian army fighting and defending own territory, and these are Ukrainian citizens who are being evacuated by the Ukrainian army, and these are Ukrainian citizens who are attacked by Russian missiles. 
Well, anyway, let's move forward. Uh, you said that there are few people who want to stay uh, in these uh, cities uh, to which the front is approaching and the Russian army is approaching. Who are these people? What is their motivation to stay and not to be evacuated? Mm, uh, I, I can understand people who don't want to go the, into the unknown. Uh, and live in the school or dorm dormitories, um, but um, I also understand that uh, state uh, state's ability to provide uh, everyone with comfortable house and right now in the current economic situation is limited. Uh, so mostly people stay because they can't see themselves in another place, especially older generation. And uh, they say they lived there all their lives, so they want to die in this region, in their own homes. They are ready to this. Uh, but uh, I know uh, uh, people who were forced to leave their parents or relatives uh, in, the, in Donetsk region because... Uh, um they did these parents didn't want to leave their homes so children needs to leave them and it's really hard when you understand that uh, you just uh, go away from your parents and leave them in the um, really very dangerous situation but you can't do anything with it because parents say okay i will be here and i don't care about uh, uh anything so, um, and um, really, there are a lot of pro-Russian people, at least. So, as you say, there are people who have uh, pro-Russian views, and uh, there are people who are kind of waiting for the Russian army to enter these Ukrainian cities. What is their proportion, in your opinion? How many percent of the local population has these uh, pro-Russian views? Okay, I uh, want to tell a bit about uh, conditions. <laughs> it's necessary yeah. to understand. <laughs> it's necessary to understand that uh, for many years Russia spent a lot of effort, money, and time on the propaganda of the so-called Russian peace in the east of Ukraine. It paid off. Back in 2014, there are a lot of people who helped Russia troops to occupy the territories of Donetsk and Luhansk region. Uh, however, people often forget about the patriotic pro-Ukrainian movements in this territory. In 2014, many people protested against uh, uh, the Russian war uh, in Donetsk, Lugansk and uh, other cities. These people were beaten and taken uh, to basements uh, where they uh, were tortured and some activists were killed. Uh, during the last eight years, the number of people actively supporting the country's independent uh, integrity has increased because many of them have seen that Russia brings just death and decay. And uh, we must understood that uh, only in the Donetsk region about 20% of population that lived in the territories controlled by Ukraine. 
uh, state. The majority of pro-Ukrainian uh, activists or just pro-Ukrainian people evacuated, uh, fleeing um, from possible occupation and constant shelling. Many civilians, civilians uh, not involved in supporting life in communities or volunteering. Uh, I stand by mod for the occupiers. We call them Zhduni, people who wait uh, occupiers. Uh, the military um, confirms this too. One day, person come to ask soldiers for food. And the next day, uh, this person are detained for adjust, adjusting fire on Ukrainians' position. So these have been the people who were correcting the artillery fire or, and missiles fire of the Russian army, right? I hate to say this and admit this, but it's true. I know people, in any way, I know people uh, who have been pro-Russian, since 2014, but now they are calling and apologizing now for how wrong they were. Well, it's interesting uh, to hear that there were people who changed their minds. So what was their motivation? What, was, uh, what were the reasons for changing their minds? Um, in uh, uh, 2014, it was not so awful war. It was scary, really scary. But um, it was uh, war time without uh, destroying cities, absolutely destroying cities. Uh, Russians have already killed uh, ten of thousand people, and uh, in this year, just in this year. So uh, these people, I think, just understood uh, who is Russians. That it's not our brother, sister, relatives. This is terrorist who wants to kill you. Uh, that's all. I think this is just understanding. But uh, in the uh, meanwhile, uh, there are people uh, who, whose homes may be uh, hit by a rocket from the Russian side, and they still uh, shout that it is Ukraine uh, that is bombing them. So I think it depends uh, a lot of educational. Almost all the pro-Russian people I met uh, were uneducated, without normal job, and often had um, something like alcohol addiction. I can't say that this is such a statistic, but uh, I had uh, this experience of communication and I made uh, this conclusion for myself. Well, we have touched upon the personal stories, stories of concrete people, but I also know that in Bakhmut you have had a very famous sparkling wines factory producing uh, famous champagnes or so-called uh, champagne. Uh, I know that this factory is in the eastern boundaries of the city. So do you know about anything about the fate of this factory? Is it still working or is it still standing? Now it's closed like uh, all other enterprises uh, in the Donetsk region. Uh, but, uh, I don't sure if uh, the building is still okay. I need to check mm. it, but I think that uh, there is no chance to stay okay because from the side of this factory, Russians uh, try to uh, enter uh, in this city. So 
so um, I think uh, this factory will uh, have a lot of damage after victory or maybe already had it uh, so um, uh, we don't know how many businesses will return and when to the Donetsk region so this factory don't uh, uh, this factory can exist in any another territory. This is not the Artemisil uh, that uh, depends from uh, salt uh, in the Donetsk region. But um, I don't know what will happen with it and uh, will it open again. All right, and this brings me again to the people, people like you, uh, people who have come from this region. Uh, so my final question would be, uh, do you have any plans to return to city of Bakhmut? And uh, do you know anything else about the other people uh, from Donbass? Are they willing to come back there after the Ukraine's army victory over the Russian one? I, um, about myself, I will not return because I have lived here, a lo here in Kyiv uh, too long and... Uh, I'm um, trying to build here my life with uh, my mom, my family are waiting uh, for victory and uh, they are planning to return because uh, this is uh, their ho uh, homeland, uh, little homeland. And, uh, so um, my mom may be the biggest waiter, uh, people, uh, person who wait uh, victory because she loves loves her life with her job with her apartment uh, with this city so um, and she she are waiting for this and I know a lot of people who uh, now lived um, uh, women who uh, that moved to Latvia and found their new job with good salary and uh, um, she uh, have good life, like not uh, for refugee, I think. Uh, but she uh, she's wait uh, she's waiting for victory, and she will return after because she wants to live in Bakhmut and uh, people ready to rebuild it. Uh, my mom tells that she will do it by her hands <laughs> because she she can't wait ten years. Uh, um, so she wants it to rebuild her city as as quickly as it possible, so she can um, do it with other people uh, there. Are these people who are originally from Donbass still keeping in touch with each other? Because you mentioned that they are dispersed not only over Ukraine but also over the world. Uh, do they communicate with each other? Do they discuss these issues of, for example, returning back home at certain moments? Sure, like uh, all people around the world uh, in messengers, uh, by videos, uh, group chats, uh, and they always uh, are talking with each other and to discuss uh, discussing news about Bakhmut, about Donetsk region, Lugansk region. Uh, they are happy when uh, they heard about uh, our little victories around different uh, sections of uh, our fronts and waiting for our big, huge, complete victory under the Russian. Thank you, Maria, for this uh, interesting talk. And uh, let me wish you all the best uh, for you, for your relatives, for your family and for all the people of Ukraine that the Victory Day is uh, 
getting closer. So this was the next uh, part of our podcast that we do with our Ukrainian colleagues and experts uh, under the project, a program called Information Defense Hub. Uh, this is the program and project of the European Value Center. And uh, let me remind you that you can follow us on different social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, get subscribed to our uh, channels and uh, I'm looking forward to the next talk uh, with another colleague of us. <laughs> <laughs>